Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hello, James. Hello, Scott. Are we brought to you by Viore today? Are you rocking a uh, t-shirt? No. Sorry. No. Sorry to today our sponsors that aren't actually sponsors. I'm not Vivix. wearing it. Vivix. Vivix okay. is one of my favorite shirt brands. My buddy Fowler, who has a, a little store called Fowler's in Cardiff, he always has the best stuff, including Viore. Um, but yeah, Vivix is where it's at. Well, I didn't approve that sponsorship, time, but we'll talk show. about this offline. Yeah, yeah. Next time. For we can be for locally, we can be brought to you by Viore, Ashland. Uh, you know, if if we want to get alcoholic. Uh, mm-hmm. but let's just let's just be Viore today. It's okay. Great. Let's do um, it. Welcome to another week. Anything you want to start out with today? Uh, thank you for all the nearing your end. Always wanted to say thank you to everyone that's been listening. It's been really fun to see just the growth of the people that are tuning in, thousands and thousands of people on a monthly basis. Yeah. Uh, tens of thousands of people on a monthly basis tuning in. So thank you to all of you for doing so. Thank you for all of you that submit questions. Thank you for all of you that are um, joining the communities that we're starting. We appreciate you. And today's question is a little bit different. It's more about, hey, I like what you guys are talking about. I like what I've heard others talk about. This financial planning thing seems really attractive to me. How do I think about that if that's maybe an industry I might want to shift into? So do you want to read the question that prompted today's episode? Sure. Uh, So today's uh, episode is brought to you by Corey. (laughs) Thanks, Corey, for writing out the question. And it says, I really enjoy your podcast. I've had a 10-year career in nonprofit development but I've had a passion for investing in personal finance since I was a little kid. I'm trying to pivot into wealth management. I know in a recent episode, you addressed the path into the industry for someone coming out of college. I'd love to hear if you have any insight for someone making a pivot mid-career. Maybe the pathway is the same, but it would be great to hear what you think. Thanks a ton, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. Slightly different, probably, what we'd look at. So how do do you want to frame the discussion today? Well, I actually think that why don't we frame the discussion in terms of like, if it were us switching in mid-career, what would we think we'd want to be doing? Like just things Mm -hmm. that we think top of mind. That also loops into um, a career changer who works with Stone Steps, Wilson uh, Liu. He joined us in February of this year. I reached out to him to ask him specifically what his thoughts were, and we'll have some thoughts uh, based on our chat. But then we can also look at Let's check out, like, if it were us, we were switching, what would we want to be doing? How would we want to have our finances set up to do the switch? What would our mindset want to be for that switch? And then let's also flip our, put our other hat on, like a firm owner and ask the question of what do we want to see in someone as we're having that someone come to us who's a career switcher yeah, um, for them to make sure that they're set up for success. And then let's take it from there. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. What do you want to start with? Um, Pick your path. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you're looking at this, 
is there just one way to get into financial planning? Are there multiple ways? It's like what, what paths are even available to yeah. someone getting in? Yeah. So there's, there's so many ways, right? And I'll start and you just, you fill in too. The way that most people who are firm owners these days got into it was they started by working at a place that had a big sign on some big building downtown, typically. So like either a broker dealer or an insurance company, which would be, you could probably say they're more so fee-based right now or commission or product oriented than they are fee only. Like the RI registered investment advisory space, the space that James and I both work in, we operate under a different set of rules than the big banks downtown or the big insurance companies. But that's where a lot of people get started in this business because there's opportunity there. And so they get started selling products or selling financial plans or like doing the work uh, and growing a business to a point where they can then start off on their own. So rather than start an RIA from scratch, they'll start at a fee-based firm. That is one potential path. And with that, you have to get some licenses along the way, a bunch of licenses that sound like a bunch of just numbers, series six, series 63, (laughs) series seven. Like do you remember, there's Huge so many lack series of creativity with whoever created those licenses. Yeah, that you can get. If you work in the RIA space, you get one license called a Series 65. Um, if you have a CFP designation, you don't even have to get a Series 65. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what would you? I mean, that's one path. What else would you say about that path? Or, or we can jump into another path, whatever your preference. Yeah, I think those are. I would guess the majority of the people listening to this podcast would say no. It's the fiduciary fee only route that would interest me if I was to get into this industry. So sure. even within that path, there's multiple paths. There's, do you jump right in and start your own firm? There's, do you join a team as an advisor and start getting that client facing experience? There's, do you join a team and start maybe in a in an operations role, start in a non-client facing role so that you can just start to get some sense of how does this industry work? I would say that I'm guessing the majority of the people listening thinking, oh, I might be interested in this. It's already the the fee-only fiduciary side. It's just how? Yeah. Own my own agreed. firm or join a firm and to what extent or in yep. what capacity. Agreed. And the three, the three paths that you're saying, start your own firm from scratch. If you have a really great network or you already have a great way to tie into finding the right people, and you have a that can be a great way to go if you have the confidence in your own knowledge base and you can grow your knowledge base and you can tie yourself into a network and a community to help you do so. Mm-hmm. So that's where like comp- uh, groups like the XY planning network would be really helpful or even the uh, financial planning association, the FPA has local chapters. So like we have a chapter here in San Diego that that can be really helpful to tie into them. And you can actually join those when you're not yet a full member um, kind of as a student. So if you started taking CFP classes, you could you could join as a student price to help you start getting those networks in place. NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, has study groups as well. That'd be another great place to look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing though, of, of all three, the first thing I want to ask myself is two questions. One, how willing am I to in a sense, check my ego. If it was me doing this, I need, I might probably need to check my ego. Cause like, if I, if I've been in a business for 10, 15 years, I probably rose through some ranks and I'm probably now might be running an organization or be leading other people. And I basically have to go from having that mindset to for a while, not being in charge of anyone and just learning. 
So mm-hmm. I basically, in a sense, I need to view my switch in my own mind as I'm going back to school. And I'm yep. probably getting paid to go back to school, but I'm going back to school. Mm-hmm. So like, even though I'm technically not enlisting at a university, I'm going to be taking probably some online classes um, for the CFP curriculum because it, the you know, putting on my advisor hat for just a quick moment, if you come to me as a career changer and you haven't passed the CFP exam yet, I'm not going to, I'm probably not even going to look at your resume because that just proves to me that you've taken the time to understand the basics of what this business is. And if you haven't done that yet, like awesome for you to go figure that out somewhere else, but I don't have the time to help you figure out all of that knowledge. So you need to learn that on your own. So you probably need to be doing that on your own or show that you're taking progress toward doing that. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. But so the one is like checking my ego because it's basically like, okay, I have to go back to learning, to growing. I can't be the one in charge of everything. That's one. Two, because of that is my income is going to go down more than likely while I'm transitioning because I am going back to school. I actually think it's better to think of it like you're in residency, like you're like med- medical doctors, they graduate from medical school to become a physician and they go into residency making virtually no money because they're being trained. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to be a full-fledged doctor yet, right? So they're so they are a full-fledged doctor on paper, right? But they haven't passed board exams and all that stuff. They can they can now dispense medical advice, but they do it under the supervision of someone else. So while that's happening, they don't get paid as much. There's a transition. So I probably need to make sure that my finances are okay with that. If I have a spouse, they can either help with that or they have to be okay with that if we're going to decrease our income for a while. Yeah, I fully agree. It's... Um... The way I think about it even is even if someone came to me and they were in a position where they had the CFP passed, they were excellent interpersonally, which is a huge thing that I think people don't think about. They just think, oh, it's just a finance role. Right. Finance is a part of it, obviously. It's a big part of it, but it more it's it's very much a trust base. Uh you need to connect with people. You need to have people trust you. You need to show that you're dependable. Like there's so much that's non-financial. And even if they had the CFP, they had that, even if they had some experience, I would still want them to start in what we might call an associate advisor role. Yeah. Because there's still the root way and there's still the stone steps way. And there's still the actual firm way that you want to help to ingrain into people because there are multiple ways of doing things. And you want to make sure that you get speaking as a firm owner, you want to have that consistency of experience across the board, not just really smart CFPs that are really enjoyable people. That's the most important part, but you want everyone to do things in the most consistent way. So to your point, absolutely, it, it might feel like a little bit of a step back. Um, if someone's joining a firm, it absolutely might be because even if you've got all this, all the boxes checked already, they're still learning our process and how we do things and then rising through the ranks to become that forward-facing advisor or become uh, in another role like that. To, to Couldn't agree more. To your point, like um, the reason that Starbucks works as well as Starbucks does is because they don't do it differently at every location. They do it similarly. And so you could be the best barista ever, but if you don't understand the Starbucks way, it makes it very, very hard for you to be a great performer at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Right. And to your point, like our most firms are going to have systems and processes that you have to learn and be a part of 
if you want to have growth and scale, be a part of the business. If you want to mm-hmm. let everyone do their own thing, you can do that, but it makes for a very messy business. And yep. so you and I are both building firms where we are allowing our, we're giving the guardrails for people to operate, the frameworks for people to operate very much so as we do on this show, but there's some consistent elements that have to be in every recipe to make sure that we get a consistent output for our clients to make sure that they get the quality of advice that they need. So Mm -hmm. to your hundred percent agree with what you're saying and starting it as an associate advisor is not a bad thing. It actually means you get to start with a beginner mindset and learn how to do it uh, in the best way that we know how at root and stone steps or wherever you go. I everything that we've done here, we've modeled after uh, um, Abacus Wealth Partners, which is based in Santa Monica. Um, the one of my friends is actually now the co CEO of that firm, and they've developed an amazing um, associate advisor program that teaches people either career changing or out of school how to become advisors in about a two year time frame. But during that two-year time frame, it's very, very clear and laid out that your job is to learn. Your job is not to be the high-performing uh, advisor with high pay. Your job is to learn. Mm-hmm. It is, in a sense, a residency. But once you make it through those things and you, you're able to show that you can clearly function as a wonderful advisor for clients, then you can become a lead advisor. And when that happens, your pay increases to industry standards. Yeah. What's in your mind, Scott, what would be the main difference if someone came to you right out of college, maybe a financial planning degree of some type versus someone who's been in a totally different industry for 10, 15 plus years, and then coming Mm -hmm. to you, what would be the difference in what you'd want to see as a firm owner between someone just getting started versus someone who's also just getting started, but with some experience in maybe a completely unrelated industry? Yeah. So the thing that would have to be consistent would be they're both pursuing their CFP credential that has, like you've already taken a couple classes. Maybe you've already sat for the exam and passed it. Now you just need to get the experience because the credential, not only do you have to pass an exam after taking uh, what are considered undergrad level courses, but then you have to have two to three years of experience before you're allowed to actually carry the marks and you have Mm -hmm. to keep up with continuing education. But if it's a career changer, who's coming in, for both, actually, it's funny because I keep coming, I'm trying to work with differences, but I keep coming up both what, what would I want to see. The main thing I would want to understand is like, what's the why of why you want to get into this business? Mm-hmm. Because it's actually something that Wilson mentioned earlier when I was chatting with him about this. You know, this is a business that is actually pretty hard as far as the amount of work level that's required to do great work for clients. Like this is not an easy lift where we're making widgets online where once we make one of them, um, we can just repeat that for like a million people. You're building something specific for each specific client and you have to be, you have to have essentially a fondness and an admiration for your clients to do great work for them. Like you have to be present for them. So if your why is to come and make a bunch of money, you're not going to like this business. You'll make good money in the end. But you can make just as good of money in other ways that don't require as much time and effort, mm-hmm. right? People who come into this business come into it, what I see, the ones who last, because they view it as a calling. It's a chance to really help people align their money with their life and help people solve really, really, really complex problems Yeah, and help yeah. wrestle with complex problems. Yep. And that's the the thing that I think I need to see most that I wouldn't need to see as much of for someone coming out of college as I would for career changers, I need to see that they've exhibited interpersonal skills 
in their career yeah. so far? That was going to be my big thing is what's the emotional intelligence side of things or what's their ability to connect with people and work with people and do that because you could you could have every last Roth IRA limit, every last retirement plan, every last tax law memorized. Yeah. But if you can't communicate effectively, it's no good. Like you're you're just yeah. you're Google in a human form. People yeah, don't now, need Google in a human form. Hundred percent agree. Now the thing and the thing that like the thing that spoke to me about Wilson, who we hired in February, was that he's a career changer coming from software development. So that's very technical, right? But he also taught kids how to ski for like eight seasons up at Big Bear. So if he didn't have pers- interpersonal skills, there's no way they would have invited him back. Right? Like, yeah. like, cause you're teaching little kids how to ski. Like you have to have interpersonal skills or you're not allowed to enter the door. So the mm-hmm. fact that he could demonstrate that was amazing. That's what got him in the door. Like is it, yes, his technical prowess is necessary, and but the thing I want to give a, a, as as an aside too is don't if if you don't have a lot of emotional intelligence and you want to be a lead advisor in your future, you're gonna have to develop that skill. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't ever want to talk to clients, maybe you want to do like a paraplanner role where your job is to geek out on all the financial planning tools and do back office work and like handle the operations of a firm. You don't have to have a high emotional intelligence. That's a different skill set for a different role with that, that also exists inside of firms. Mm-hmm. It's just in younger firms, they're probably not going to be looking for that as much as they're looking for when they're looking to grow. They need advisors who can face clients and have emotionally intelligent conversations. And then using um, the lens through which we look through is understanding what's essential for a client to live a wonderful life. Once we understand that, then we employ all of the technical skills that we have in with financial planning, right? Yep. We don't just need you to have memorized what's the Roth contribution for this year. Right, right. So someone listening to this saying, yeah, I, I, I've got some good emotional intelligence and I like working with people and I've done a good job of being in trustworthy positions. What are some resources that people can leverage? Obviously, there's this podcast where we talk about money and the way we view money. What are some other resources you might turn people on to who might have an interest in this? Well, it just so happens that um, you know the associate advisor of Stone Steps happened to be a software engineer who likes to keep track of main lists. So, so we'll put it in show notes. But if you go to um, wilsonlewfinancial.com, you'll see up in the flag at the top, um, financial planning career resources. And he has a smorgasbord of career resources that you can look at. But if I was looking at um, where to go. The Wilson, so W-I-L-S-O-N-L-I-U. L-I-U financial.com. Yep, we'll have right. it in, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. But, you know, the if you're a person of, of color, there's the BLX internship, which I think is really worth looking at if you're looking to do a career change. You're in the process of a career change, but you want to get an internship working for a firm to see like, is this really what I want to do before I dive in head first? Might be a wonderful way to do that because they offer, it's basically fee-only advisors offering internships to um, people of color to try to get people of color into the industry because it's something that we desperately need. That's a place I would look. I would also go look at the CFP board and see what career resources they have. So the CFP board is basically the sanctioning body that puts out the CFP designation. 
and they are trying to create um, a smorgasbord of, of information to help as well. Um, that's another place I'd look. If I was interested in in just learn and like under and hearing about the conversation around the fee only space, but people who might be looking like just kind of go pay attention. I would join the XY planning. Uh, what's it called? Like XYPN radio Facebook group. I think it's anyone like VIP, can join it. So XYPN VIP group. XYPN VIP group Maybe is a I'm place wrong. where it's like XYPN radio is basically advisors who are a part of the XY planning network come on and speak about their own practice. And this is a listener group for that. What it's turned into is a space for XYPN members and non-members to come together and have conversations on the regular. So it's a good, good place to see what's happening in that space. I would go check that out. Um, what about, what else, what else do you think we should um, mention? Yeah, I th- Wilson's, I'm just looking at his website now. I haven't seen it before today. A lot of great resources on here. Podcast episodes to look at, um, yeah. to, to listen to, articles to read. So I think he does a great job of linking out to stuff. Start yeah, there. he specifically mentioned Jumpstart University, which is, um, I think it's Dominique Henderson uh, has it. It's on, it's, you'll see it's updated under careers. Jumpstart YO University, right, is a YouTube channel. And it's all about making the change into being a CFP. So I think that'd probably be a great place, great thing to check out as well. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's uh, probably a good place to start. There's tons of resources. And I always tell people whenever you're doing anything, not just this, but leverage resources for what they're worth, but it's very easy. You could go listen to a thousand podcasts and read a thousand articles. That's not actually going to move the needle on things. So listen to enough of them to know, is this something that you want to do? If this is something that you want to do, then really seriously start to pursue it because it can be one of those things that you know you want to do it, but if you're not taking action to move towards it, it just never gets done. But lots of You know, when we go back to the idea of what if it was you doing this, the thing that I, and Wilson mentioned this as well, and I fully agree with him because this is what I've done. This is what I did when we started my own firm to grow my own firm, but go have, ask for informational interviews with people that you admire in the space and just go sit down and have a conversation with them. So like I could easily do that with James because I always admire James and it would just be like, James, what got you into this business? Why did you choose to be a CFP? Why did you choose fee only versus fee based? Right? Like if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Yeah. What did you learn along the way that you weren't you didn't actually think you would learn along the way? Right? Like ask them open-ended questions to let them share their own story. And if you just do that, at the end they're going to ask what do you want to do? You know? And if they like you, they'll probably look out for opportunities to help you. I would do that. Yep. It's an easy thing to do. And people can turn you down and say, no, that can happen. Right. But a lot of people won't because our business is a collaborative business and our business is also a business about helping people. Yep. And you mentioned earlier, I believe the FPA next gen or even just FPA uh, groups. Those are great places where people come together. Some people in the industry, some people looking to get in the industry. Yep. And it's a great place to connect with people. There's going to be some presenter typically, but it's the networking and the the collaboration that's very good. So wonderful resources for people that want to get plugged in. We encourage more people to get plugged in. I think that that's, in my opinion, the greatest career in the world. I think you might agree. Agreed. Take some work, obviously, but all good things do. We need more people in our space, especially the the fee-only side of things. Man, there's like 300,000 advisors 
advisors, I'm putting in quotes a little bit. And I, and to be clear, I have nothing against people who sell product for a living. It's, I think there's, there's good work to be done there, but the amount of advisors who are fee only working in the space that we work in, it's, it's a pretty small group and a lot of them are retiring. And so there's a need for more people to be in our space. So if you enjoy working with people, if you enjoy problem solving complex adaptive systems, which are not easy to solve, right? And if you like helping people, it's a wonderful career. Yeah. And hopefully you like people if you want to get into this career. If, if not, you don't like people, you. <laughs> you should not be in this career. This is not yep. the career for you because your job is to get to know people intimately and to help them facilitate their own lives. And if you if you can find fondness and admiration in everyone that you work with, it becomes one of the coolest jobs that there ever is. If you resent the phone call when it rings, um, you're going to hate your job. Totally agree. Well, anything else, Scott, that you want to add to this? No, that's it. But um, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, go check out Wilson, liufinancial.com. Click the hamburger at the top. Financial planning career resources will have a multitude. I hope this helps you, Corey. And um, thank you for your question. Thank you very much for everyone listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for Scott and I to answer on a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other